Guess what? We live, y'all. We are live, <laughs> man. We are live, man. Man, how's everybody doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great, good, man. man. Well, welcome, everybody, to the No Pressure, No Diamonds podcast, man. My name is Alex Rose. Got my boy, Thomas Solano. Man, and what a, oh, man, oh, man. Who we got in the building, man? Who we got in the building? Who we got in the building? Who we got in the building? <laughs> man, none other. None. Great friend. Great. So I looked to him as a mentor. I looked to him as a friend. I mean, I've known him for, for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited to finally, finally get him, get him on the, get him on the show, man. And uh, with none other, without further ado, Mr. Pastorpreneur. Tommy Pickens, man, welcome in, man. TP3. Hey, hold on, look. Hey, just so, just so everybody else know, we we not over here capping, we not playing, man. We got, we got a live crowd. In. We got a live crowd out here, man. Just to let y'all know, we out here real live with it, man. So behind these cameras, behind these cameras, everybody. So the live studio. It's a live studio audience. They know how to clap on. On uh, on cue and end on cue, which is amazing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> they look good, man. So, man, this is cool, man. I'm I'm super excited about today, man. Uh, how's your guys' week been so far, man? How's the week been? It's been good. It's been for, it's been great for me, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm a Laker fan, and, 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 and I'm sitting across the table from uh, from a not Laker fan. <laughs> From a, of a Clipper fan, I Mr. TP. You, you so what's going on from yesterday's game? Though. I wasn't for sure. Hey, we still got two wins, you know, to to your zero. Okay. <laughs> I love it. We're going seven games, man. It should be fun. You know, a little warm up. Love it, man. Oh I'm my god, love being a Clipper fan. Uh, <laughs> underdogs. You know, it's funny that question came up, and a lot of people ask why. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Clippers are always underrated. And so I always felt like I always love the Lakers. Kobe is my favorite guy, hands down. But sure. I always wanted to go for the underdog. And then when PG came and when Blake was there, just, you know, I rolled with them and I had to stay with them. So it was rough last year, though. <laughs> it's going to be rough. It this year. <laughs> it's almost like you can't say anything until, like, the end. Like, if you start talking early on my behalf for the Clippers, it's just it's going to be it's gonna be tough. So, Shoot, yeah. it might be. It might be rough for everybody in L.A., man, this year, man, because it's looking a little, nah. Oh, no, man. Nah. It's oh, no. I don't think so, bro. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. They'll be all right. All right. He's sticking through. Hey, man. Phoenix is looking pretty strong, though, man. They are, man. Yeah, CP3 is a monster. But you don't got no arm left, man. His arm is kind of, <laughs> you it know, is. I, I, think they, I think his arm is struggling, man, and I don't, you know, they have a lot of young well, they say that young talent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they might make it to the second round if they do make it to the second round, and it's a wrap for them once they get to the second round. So it's like, man, I just want the Lakers to get just get past them, even though it's gonna be a tough road. Just get past it, man. Get past these little these little marks, man. Get past these little these little these little suns, these little these suns, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Should be good. Yeah, but my week's been good, man. It's, uh, you know, I think it's good to incorporate a little bit of rest in, um, but then obviously the grind and uh, having fun with that and just trying to have a little bit of balance. So it's been a good week, you know, um, working hard in the office yesterday, um, just kind of grinding stuff out. And um, it's been good, though. My highlight is being here with you guys. Okay, ah, cool. Look, man, this is. 
you know, so we'll kind of so we'll kind of dive in a little bit here, <laughs> real quick, man, and um, you know, kind of just go over like what made you be- want to become, you know, so, so tell us just a little bit about your background, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, we know it, so tell the people a little bit about, you know, kind of kind of your background because a pastorpreneur, I mean, it, it, it kind of you know, <laughs> it kind of says it all there. Um, but but tell us a little about you know like, like you know what made you want to become a pastor you know because that's a that's a life that's a that's a life decision man for for real for real man and, and I don't think people take you know don't want to take that lightly man so what made you want to become a pastor? It's a great question. Uh, <clears throat> the funny thing about it is I always just had a love for people you know. Um, then growing up in a pastor's home, the funny thing about it, most people that grow up in a pastor's home don't want to be a pastor. Um, for various reasons. I had a great example with my parents. Um, they never put the church before before our family. Um, hmm. I vividly remember at the age of 16 being in Anaheim at a uh, Kenneth Copeland convention. And I remember I was walking and doing some stuff. And I remember I saw a tape table. That's how long ago it was, Thomas. It was tapes, bro. And <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I looked at one of them and uh, it said, it's time to get real about the things of God. And instantly I knew like God was speaking to my heart. And he was just like, you know, hey, I've called you. And I just knew it was one of those knowings. And I knew that I needed to get to Bible college and to do some things. And so when I was 17, the next year, I ended up going to uh, Randall Bible College and, um, in Oklahoma. Um, played some college ball. Now, my dad used to be a, a professor at Randall. It was Randall Bible Training Center at the time. Um, so I'm in there and I'm studying, you know, going through things with the Bible. I went to the third year school of pastoral ministry, played college basketball, traveled the world, playing ball, which I really loved. Um, and I knew that I had a calling to it, but I knew I needed to get some some of those skills home. Um, and to be honest with you, bro, I knew that I was really, really called because of last year with everything with COVID and stuff. I did a lot of funerals, probably like one every month. Oh, oh man. Wow. Yeah, which is tough. My thing was I wanted to bring help, hope, and healing to that family at that time. Just did one last week down in Hollywood, too. Wow. Very difficult. But my thing is I wanted to do it to help people. Um, I love visiting people in the hospitals and praying with them. I love speaking. I feel like when you're speaking, it's like the cake and ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But I always just had this thing where I just wanted to care for God's people and just care for people. And so that's really how I knew. Um, the speaking gift that comes, comes with it, the teaching gift that comes. Um, and I really just want to help people and love people. So that's how I know it's called. Cause last year, anybody could have quit and pivoted what they were doing and they had a viable excuse. Yep. I pressed in and I knew mm. this is what I was called to do. So I, I don't feel like I would be on this earth and not be able to help people or pastor. That's all I know. Yo, that's a calling. Know that you are called, man. That's interesting, you know, to uh, um, to be self, you know, be aware. Because I think a lot of folks they kind of there's a lot of things going on in people's life, and they don't necessarily listen to that voice mm-hmm. when when they're called to, when they're called to do something, man. I can see, I can see wheels over there turning. Well, with my I, guy you right know, Tom, Tommy said something interesting, man. And I, I just think the world of you, TP, and I think I've shared that with you. And you know, there are very few people that can bring me to tears, especially on a one-on-one, because you see the beard, man. I try to be, you know, I try to be strong <laughs> and tough, but uh, but TP has done that, and he's uh, he's obviously gifted in uh, in you know a bunch of different ways. But you said something right now where you said most. Um, children in the home of a pastor don't want to become a pastor. 
right? And you obviously did. You 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 had that calling, and you listened. You heard the voice or whatever, and you followed the guidance uh, that was there. But why do you think that is? Do you think that there's a pressure to live up to, you know, their parent or whatever the case may be, or what what is it that you think keeps them from that? It's a great question, bro. It's funny because I tussled with this for a very long time. And I had to, so when we talk about the pastorpreneur today, that'll be a fun because I'll talk to you about the journey with that. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> there's a lot of pressure because when you're in a pastor's home, you live in a glass box. So a psychologist told me this, the three toughest professions that have the most pressure. Doctor is number one, firefighter is number two, and pastor is number three. Wow. Reason being is because everybody wants you to be perfect because they want you, they want to be able to see some type of an example that makes it like easier for them. And so when you grow up in a pastor's home, you're in a glass box. Everybody sees your life no matter what you're doing. And no matter what you do or don't do, it's never good enough in the, in the eyes of the people. So there's a judgment. There's a judgment, bro. So you're put on a pedestal and it's not fair. And so what happens is there's a syndrome that develops. And I think a lot of pastors, kids that grow up in that, they rebel against it. You know, it's just like, I don't want to be perfect. I'm not, and you're not supposed to be, but it's what people put on. Right. And so I think my parents did a great job of it, of just kind of being like, just be yourself. You know, you know, different things that would happen with our family that um, people may have said or talked about. They always defended us, you know, which is a beautiful thing. So I think when you have that present in the home, but always, bro, like for some reason to this day, there's that pressure um, to have to, you know, want to appear a certain way or be a certain way when it's tough for you to just be yourself and realize, give yourself that time to grow into what God has called you to be and not necessarily what people want you to be. Somebody told me this and I loved it. He said, we're a person before we're a pastor. I don't think a lot of people realize that and growing up in that home. Right. Yeah. We, I mean, you're worthy of grace just as much as the next person, right? Come on, so, bro. Yeah. I feel it. I was just curious, you know, what, yeah. what it was. I would assume that there's a pressure, a level of pressure. There. So, yeah, I'm glad you elaborated on that. And it's more than other stuff, too, because my thing is <clears throat> the enemy comes after people that are in ministry that are building. Now, here's the thing. There's some people that can call themselves to ministry, and then there's some people that are, are called. Here's what I mean by that. I believe that when you're called to be a pastor, like that's something that God has called you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And the Bible says that his callings are without repentance. In other words, when he calls you, he doesn't call it back. In other words, like the auto industry, they'll make a car. And if there's a defect, what do they do? Recall. Exactly. And so what I had to learn, what a mentor of mine taught me in Atlanta was he said, Tommy, God doesn't do recalls. If he called you, he already knew what your life was going to look like. Mm. Paul, look at Paul. Paul was like acting a mess early on in his life. God knew that. He knew he was going to be killing Christians, but he knew he was going to mm. meet him on the road to Damascus and change his life. That mar I marvel at that. God used people that should have been on death row to write his Bible. David, you feel me? So when I started looking at these guys, Moses, these guys did great things, but they weren't necessarily the best dudes. Right. But they had a heart after God, and that's exactly what God looks for. Is he looks for somebody that has a heart, and I've always had a heart to just want to please God. Haven't always done it the best, but I've always seek to just please God. And I know the number one thing that God wants is for his people to be loved. So I just love people. That's probably why we vibe all the time. I vibe mm -hmm. with people because I just nest, I just love I love people extremely well. Sure. Well, you, and you're easy to love too, Tommy, man. I got to <laughs> tell you, bro, I got love for you, dude. <laughs> Thank you. 
Like Tommy said he had a good week last week, but if you see this dude's face in person, man, <laughs> I, man I feel like it's been great. You guy looking, he's looking flawless. <laughs> My so guy good. over here, man. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Just want to live a blessed life, live a life that's giving, live a life that's on the grind. And you know, it's funny you say that because it hasn't always been like that, man. There have been some times where I was stressed out, worried. Sure. But I feel like when you press and continue to press to the other side, there's so much. That's why I love you guys' this podcast, and I love the name of it. There's no diamonds without any pressure. Bro, we got to be in that pressure cooker to Yo. really come out the way that God wants us to be. Because I think about ribs, right? Just have Memorial yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. You be on the you be on the grill towers all the time. Like, yeah. Have you guys over? Yeah, yeah, man. So you know when people are grilling, if they're grilling ribs, they take at least four to six hours. Mm -hmm. And if you pull them out sooner, <clears throat> what happens? They somebody's gonna get sick or they're not ready. Right. And a lot of people they don't want to stay like ribs in the cooker and cook until mm. they're done. And the Bible says that when you stay in the cooker and stay under the pressure and you grow then you'll be done. And so I just believe, you know, I'm, I'm at a spot a little bit in life where I stayed in the cooker and some things have been done. So yeah, man, shoot. But there's still a lot of cooking left. Hey, so in, in those cookers, Tommy, like what you're comfortable, obviously, with staying in there until the timer goes off, right? But how important is it to raise the temperature? Oh, okay. Um, that was good. The funny thing about it is I'm actually not always comfortable staying in the cooker. And there's okay. a lot of times where I want to get out and there's times where I try to get out and it's more difficult to get out than stay in because there's something inside of you that says, you know what, I've got to tough this through. And it's stuff like guys like you and I, we just don't have the quit in us. So to quit is worse. So I'd rather stay in there, but you bring up a good point. Let's turn up the, 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 the heat. Um, LeBron, I think, I think LeBron said it, somebody said it, you know, they said, um, the enemy to good, I'm sorry, the enemy to great is good. The problem is when people get to good, they just level off and cool. Mm. I went through some stuff. They said the Nobel peace prize was an instant funeral to somebody's success because after somebody won the Nobel peace prize, everybody that you see, they have not done anything significant after that. Oh, yo. They cooled off. And so I think what you just asked is important. What you need to do, all of us, is get around people that stretch us. Mm. And I believe that when we've accomplished something, what's the next thing? Like Tom Brady, Kobe Bryant, they're always like, what's the best ring? The, the next, next one. one. Right? <laughs> the next right? one. So I think what you brought up is good because it's important to turn up the heat because through the heat comes the refining. And so I look mm. to continually be refined. I hate the status quo. I don't like to taper off, right? So it's this fun, interesting balance when it's like, I want to taper off and I want to chill and enjoy, <laughs> right? But I also want to keep it going. And you know, Ed talks about blissful dissatisfaction. Yep. Yeah. But I believe that we've got to put ourselves in environments that cause us to raise, mm. to be uncomfortable because it's in the uncomfortability comes the growth. But then you have these mile markers that are just like of experience, whether it be different things that we hit in life because we were in the pressure cooker that the associations, right? So having the proper associations, man, and I could tell, I could, man, I could tell you, all right, well, like this right here is a great example of that, right? Like you said, I remember Tommy had a time, <laughs> Tommy had a talk with him, you know, man, chickens don't fly with eagles. 
You know what I'm saying? Or was it pigeons or chickens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chickens don't fly with eagles, man. Yeah. And like, our eagles don't hang out with chickens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you got an eagle over here, you know, clucking around and patting, you know, grow up with a bunch of grow up with a bunch of chickens, and almost like that eagle won't fly either, won't right? Fly. Because of that environment. That's true. You know, and yeah. that's that's something that's that's very important, and it's very you know, and you bring up just just insanely valid point is get around people that will raise your temperature you know because of the outside temperature so then even you know eventually your your internal temperature will start going up and you start expecting more yourself mm-hmm. you know and yeah that's huge man i, I love that you got to be around it. some people in your company that make you a little uncomfortable their net worth their success their family life mm. their marriage their financial success like all of that we should be around people that make us a little uncomfortable because we're not where they want to be. We're not where they are yet. And that keeps us striving. Mm. So a good buddy of mine named Ben Tankard, he told me this. He said, hey, look, spend time around people that reside where you want to be one day. Mm. All right. And he's got a private, he's got a few private planes and a couple different uh, businesses and lives in different spots. And he's a pastor. And that was one of the guys that really started helping my mind start turning. Like you actually can do different things that you want to do. You know, which we talked about the pastorpreneur, like that mm. journey for me has been, bro, I felt like, a, uh, you know, now this is no comparison, but to what this man has done, but I'm saying, and what I felt in leading something that people didn't understand was like, in, in a sense of Martin Luther King, where he was leading something that he knew what his cause was, but some people were fighting him. And a lot of people didn't understand it. Mm. And for a while, for years, you know, my family, they, they, they best intentions, but they were just like, is this really what's for you? Business and ministry, friends, is this okay? Mm. And what happens is when people can't really see or they've never seen something that has been done before, it makes them fight it. So a lot of people are just like, well, either you pastor or either you're in business. Cause see, I went to school for both. I went three years school of pastoral ministry in Raymond, right? But I also went three years to Oral Roberts University and studied business and started my MBA. So I'm like, I have a calling to both, bro. I juggled with that, and for a long time, I felt like I let people put labels. You're only a pastor. What's wrong with you? You're chasing money? That's not right. Until I got my mind washed and I got around the right people that were like, there's more scripture on business and money. And the Bible, because God wants us wealthy and he wants us in control to be able to do the right thing. He wants us to be a distribution center, not a warehouse. You don't want to have <laughs> that all... part. <laughs> right? That part, man. Right? Rewind. Right. Where, am I, where, am I, where am I Snapchat crowd? <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like, he doesn't want us to have the stuff to hoard it and to floss. But see, a lot of people, going back to what you're talking about, that lived in pastor's homes, um, some of those folks, that's all that they did was, let me just have all this stuff so I can show. And it's like, what? So I started realizing, like, no, God wants us wealthy. He wants us living in the best, doing the best. And that's one of the reasons why we started Business Tree so that people can understand scripturally that God wants you about his business, but he also wants mm-hmm. to be about your business and make money and have fun. So I started realizing, like, I'm, I have a strong calling to pastor. I love it. But I also have a strong calling to business. Bro, it took years for that. You know, even our staff, even at our church at times, we're just like, what's going on? friends, family, like, is this what he, he, he's, he's losing himself to business. The world is taking, but see, here's the thing. You got to have people that are helping you and guiding you. But also I saw guys like Joel Osteen and TD Jakes that weren't taking a salary from their church, but they're making money from their books and they're traveling and they're speaking Mm. and their TV shows. 
you know? And I remember I asked Steve Jakes a question one time. It's just like, how are you doing all that you're doing? You got a TV show, um, you're pastoring, clothing line, all these different things. And he's just like, well, all I'm doing is, um, and then the movie production thing, all, all I'm doing is, uh, is I'm communicating. There's a single line thread of communication through all of these things that I do. Because mm. see, I can reach more people in a movie theater on a Friday night than I can in a physical church on a Sunday. Mm. So that's when I realized I'm supposed to help and build and encourage people through pastoring and through business. And so I realized that I was an entrepreneur and a pastor, but I'm also both. So when I'm pastoring, I'm also having the entrepreneur hat too, because I'm teaching people how to be wealthy and how business works because it's in the Bible. Yeah. But on the business side, I'm also being able to pray for them and minister to them. So it's just a flow, but it took me years to figure that part out. So I think go hand in hand. Wow. Wow, man. Because yeah. I think from the beginning, I was like, <laughs> when the, from the beginning, I was like, man, Tommy's about to take over the world, man. It's just about to take. But to know that you had that internal struggle going on internally and externally and expectations and, yeah. you know, on from a lot of different angles. And, man, it's like, that's amazing. And it took me a while to talk about Bible stuff in a business setting. Mm. And then it took me a while to talk about business stuff in a church setting. Isn't that crazy? Now I do both and it's just a flow. There have been times, <laughs> right? And you guys have been there where we may have been talking like, you know, in a meeting, right? That we call BPMs. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, you felt like folks are just like, oh my God, this is this is church. You know, this is, you know, and people, some, some hardcore people were crying. Mm. And it's just like, yo. And I'm like, what you're feeling is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But see, God has hidden me in business. And so he mm. wanted me to excel in business. Mm. I'd be in my office and guys in our business would come up to me and they'd be like, I need you to pray for my son. He's about to have brain surgery. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Mm. So I realized that God hid me in business and has allowed me to excel. There's an anointing on me in business because my heart is right. I'm not going to treat people wrong. And I'm going to learn and do the right things with the money that God has for us to be that example for everybody else to do that. Because if God asked me to give it away to somebody, I would. If God asked me to pay somebody's mortgage, I would. Why? Because I just brought in X amount for the whole week or maybe for the whole day. Mm. And But it's been a development of I always put God first. But see, I, here's an interesting thing. I always thought I had to put the church first. And there's two different things. The church is the body. That's us, right? That I received Christ as a believer myself. So, but there's also God, which is your relationship with him. Mm. When people start putting the church before their family, then something's wrong. And so God showed me that you put me first, but me also means that I'm part of your business. Because see, I can reach more people in a business setting than I may be able to in a church setting. You feel me? Yeah. So I had to understand that... <laughs> Me doing things at the church and the church may be wanting me to do different things. I may not be able to do that right now because I also have a calling to business, but my my calling to business is called to God. You know, so they're both the mm. two in the same. So I had to learn how to start pulling guilt trips off of me, you know, because I wasn't doing this or doing that. But it was like self-inflicted guilt trips, self-inflicted guilt trips. But I had to realize that my calling and my responsibilities uh, ministry wise, I have to fulfill that. But I also have to fulfill business, but also in business. 
my business is also my ministry. I remember being in LA, bro, off of Hoover and Gage in LA, bro, this is in the hood, off the 110, <laughs> right? And I, I remember I was doing too. an appointment with one of my agents and we were in there and the lady, she, she looked weak, she looked tired. We were helping her um, with some investments and stuff. And I just stopped. I said, man, what's going on with you? She said, I just got back from a cancer treatment. They did all kinds of, what is it? The chemo? chemo yeah, 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 right, yeah. yeah. And it drained her, right? And I said, you know what? I want to stop right now before we deal with this. I want to pray with you. Mm. That's when I realized that my ministry is also my business. Yo. <laughs> Which segues, man, right into the business tree. <laughs> if that, man, if you, I don't know if y'all got to coin that or what or put a copyright or patent on that, man. Business tree, man. That's, we have, isn't yeah. that... <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate the photo live live viewing, man, which is which is great, man. Please share. We appreciate you guys spending time with us. Um, viewing live. Um, you will be able to get this as well. Um, uh, a little bit later today, too, as a recording. But man, business tree, man. Like, so break that down to me. Cause, Cause I know you have a partner, so you're co co-founded, co-founded uh business tree, man. So what what caused you know that partnership? What caused the, you know, so what made you think of, you know, so what did you think of uh, creating that? This is a good question. Um, <clears throat> so part of what we've been talking about, um, the, the, the journey that I've had towards that that's in me, um, frustration is always the soil in which God breeds his champions. And if you're not frustrated, then you're not thinking about doing new things. Mm -hmm. So business drew is frustratedly inside of me and I needed to get it out. And so it was cool because I knew some of the things that I wanted to do in teaching people. Um, about business and about ministry and how they went hand in hand and how about God wants you wealthy, but he also wants you worshiping. He also wants you doing the right things. And there is a scripture that I came across. Um, <clears throat> I think it's in Deuteronomy 3.13. And it says that God has given you the power and the ability to create wealth so that you can establish his covenant. In other words, he hasn't given you wealth. He's given you the ability. And a lot of people don't realize like you got to work for it. You know, faith without works is dead, but I say faith with a whole lot of works is life. That's when mm. your face is shining and all this stuff's going right. <laughs> Got a natural right glow. <laughs> right. TP like Bruce Leroy <laughs> at the end of the movie. Right, right. <laughs> As he pulled his head up out the water. Oh, yeah, right. oh my God. So I started realizing that I've got to get this out. So um, a good buddy of mine um, and I, we started uh, hanging out. We started doing some things. Um, and chopping it up, a good friend of mine named Cammy um, Smith uh, out in South Carolina. He's a he's a tycoon in business and also loves to help people. So we we partnered on some things. We talking and um, then I was just like, bro, like I've got this thing where you know I explained to him where I want us I want people to be helped in understanding how business can be in ministry, ministry and business, make money and teach entrepreneurs how to be great entrepreneurs, but also. That if you're a believer and you're a Christian, that that's okay. That's what God wants. So let's scripturally talk about this. And he was like, bro, that was in my heart a long time ago, right? And he had a different name for it. And uh, he was like, I, he was like, let's do it. I was like, we're doing it. And so we started off and then we started a show called Coast to Coast Conversations, which is on Instagram. And then on Instagram, we started a, biz, uh, a handle called Business Street, B-U-S-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y. And it, the, the, the following just started to expand. We do a show uh, every week on Thursdays and we talk about faith, family, and leadership. Mm. And so that's what our main thing has been. 
is teaching faith, family, leadership. We did coaching calls with people. We coached people from New York to LA and everything in between on how to be a better man, how to be better in business. Not that we've arrived, because Cammy and I, we've been through some stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like I've been through a divorce. He's been through some divorce as well. But it's not about what happens to you, but it's about how you respond. And that's what we talk about. We ain't perfect. We're imperfect. You feel me? But we're we're looking to 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 get better. But what we have learned and our, you know, I'm 30, I'll be 38 in July. Cam's 40, right? What we've learned. <laughs> Young TP, man. I remember the young TP, man. Got some pictures. I'm a pictures of Michelle Yard, man. Got some pictures of Michelle <laughs> In our young years, let us show you what has worked for us, but come along with us on this journey. And so one of the main scriptures that we have is um, when God, when Jesus was like, here's the parable of the talents, here's money, go and multiply it. And he told them in Luke, he said, go do business until I come. That went off inside of me. I was like, wait a minute, that's the mm. Bible. Go do business until I come. Mm. And the guy that didn't multiply the money that he gave him, he took it, it was from a scarcity, money. right? Come on yeah, now. Sure. Exactly. Mm. He had a scarcity mindset, Thomas. Mm. And he said, you're a wicked and unjust steward. He took what he had. And a lot of people are like, why would he take what he had? Because God is about you multiplying and duplicating what he's giving you. He said, at least you could have put money in the bank and gained interest, which is the least. Mm-hmm. So what's the most? Mm. having a thriving business. Mm. And a lot of people are like, well, where do I start? What are the strengths and talents that you have? What do you do well that other people are like, man, you're great at that. And what would you do if you weren't being paid? You got to start there. And um, so we realize that we got to take this out. We got to spread it. And our goal is to you know, be selling out stadiums, going all over, having different businesses on our platform, teaching people about wealth and about loving God and that it's all good and it's okay. So... So TP, like you just you just brought something. Um, Drop fire for you. Yeah, he did. He's been since the beginning. Um, but listen, you, you had mentioned at the beginning that you uh, did three years in business school. So was this where you are currently right now at this stage of your entrepreneurship journey? Was this what you had in mind when you went into business school, or what was your initial plan with business school? And did that and did that school serve you? Not, 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 not the school itself, but learning what was being taught. Did it serve you? Like, were you able to apply that? Or that's a really good question. It's funny that you asked that because I was thinking about this maybe two to three days ago, and and, and answering that. So, number one, <clears throat> um, three years in business school um, was great, um, or Roberts University, um, and I was determined to win. So, let's talk about that. I remember taking an accounting class and I wasn't the best at math. Oh my gosh, you know? So it was a mental thing. And I remember taking this class called accounting and my friend named Sean Barry, right? Shout outs to him if he's watching, right? He's from Detroit. Um, he was a tight end at Oklahoma State University and he played on their football team and transferred to our school. And we're, that was my guy, man. And we're in this class, <laughs> we're in accounting. And in school, there's a time where you have an ad drop, a, a time where you can either drop the class if you don't feel you're gonna do well. So we were failing the class and I'm like, this is crazy, right? So I had to take an L and I'm just like, all right, let's 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 go ahead and drop the class, but we're gonna come back next semester and we're gonna kill it. And I'll never forget what we did. He, we took an orange uh, post-it. Sean, he said, put this on your accounting book and put, I'm a master of accounting. That was it. Affirm. So, yes, sir. Mm. Right? Didn't even realize it at the time. The next semester we came back with the, with like, but we had passion and we were determined, but it's like this. 
I was like, God, how do we get better? So we'd be in the accounting classes. They're saying stuff that's going over my head. And I started hanging out with the nerds and the ones that did well. And I asked them, like, what is it? And they told me. They said, with math, you have to practice it. You don't get it from just looking at it. So you know what I did? I know how to get in the gym and work hard. I know how to practice. So you see me in the library, on average, three and a half hours a day after all classes in the library practicing accounting. Mm. So that when you get on the test, you can do extremely well. So that semester, I got a 92% in accounting one. Took accounting two, got a 95%. From failure to A's. To A's. Mm. Took statistics, got an 88%, and then took quantitative analysis and got a 93%. To this day, I don't know how, right? But I do know that I worked my behind off and something went off inside of me because it's like, if I can get this win and this was the formula, I can get this. So you want to know what school taught me to answer your question? It taught me, number one, how to take a failure and figure out and adjust. See, schooling is not about all the uh, head knowledge that you get. You're not going to use half of it. Right. You feel me? But you want to know what it is? It's learning how to get information and convert it into action. Man, Dr. Mark Maynard, my marketing teacher, he taught me this. He was from Missouri. To this day, I talk about this. He said, all right, guys, if you want to learn how to make money, it's just very simple. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it, and you'll make money. That was the best advice in college. Say that one more time. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. Hybrids work because they heal a need of people paying tons of money. Tesla understood that. So if you can help people with the eye, with the eye gouging that's going on with the gas prices, let's find a need and fill it. If we're outside and it's hot, if you pull up a lemonade stand and you've got shade, you're finding a hurt. So if you really can look around the world and open your eyes and see where people are hurting and what they need, you'll make money. Take the attention off of you. When your feet hit the ground, are you thinking Bro, about just... others? And are you thinking about society? Because if you are, because there's a scripture in Matthew 6, that is so dope. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that you need will be added unto you. So I shouldn't be praying for my needs because if I'm doing it correctly, I'm seeking the kingdom of God and I'm seeking how I can serve other people. And the mm. way God set it up is these things will be added to me. So I shouldn't even be looking for them. So if people are praying for their needs, they've got it wrong. They don't understand the Bible. God said, I'll give you the desires of your heart when you desire what I want for you. And so that's what I've just always looked to do. And in school, it was honestly, man, <clears throat> it served me in the way of learning how to get information, how to think, right? You know what? One thing that I didn't like about school, not my school in particular, my school is great, but just education in a sense, it teaches you how to work for somebody else. I took, uh, you feel me? Facts, right? Yep. I took financial, I forget the name, but it was some financial class where they're teaching us about balance sheets and income statements and all that. They taught us to prepare it for a company, but not own a company. Mm -hmm. And yeah. That was the disservice. And so one of the things that I want to do is create a higher education of teaching people how entrepreneurship works, how to be in control and how money works and teach mm. the next generations how to do that. Because when you learn that and understand that, then but college taught me how to schedule, how to have organization and how to have structure. And then it taught me how to actually go after something. So I remember one of my things is I was like, I just want to graduate with honors. Anything that I was in, mm. I always wanted to be great. So I ended up graduating with honors. It took a lot of work, but I knew that that was the end result. So all the hard work that I was doing, school, business school taught me how to create supply and demand, 
I actually started my first business in school, which is crazy. I never talk about that. <laughs> well, I have my professors working for me. So I started a video production company because my hobby was creating videos. I loved it. I used to use this software called Pinnacle Studio 8. It was old school. And then Sony Vegas. And then iMovie. And then Final Cut. iMovie, <laughs> yeah. Right? Classic. Classic. So, but I enjoyed doing that because I would do it for our family vacations. So remember mm. I said, you can get business where you see where someone's hurting, but you also use what you do well. So I took that and I started going to different basketball places and I would go to the guys and I'd be like, hey, different intramural leagues, rec leagues. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you guys want you got you want a highlight film? I'll, ha I'll record your game and I'll create a highlight film. So I started doing that. And then I would go to businesses and I would see what they needed. This one guy, it was weird. I still remember the name. It was called Home Harvest for the Homeland. And what they did was they needed a video produced to raise money for missionaries. I'm your guy. I'll do the video. But then I'm in a class called Supply Chain Management It's in school. And they go over this chapter called um, Outsourcing and Leveraging. And I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I can have somebody else work for me. I need to be in school. But if someone can do the work and do the video editing, but I bring them the clients and I split mm -hmm. the deal 50-50, it's a deal. Right? So I go to one of my professors. He's like, drop a contract. I'm like, I don't know how to drop a contract. So I go down the hall to one of my other professors. How do we drop a contract? Goes on Google, helps me pull it up, right? And then I drop a contract. I go right back down. We sign the contract. Dr. Marty Crossland is my business partner working for me. I brought him the clients. We split the deals 50-50. And I'm still in class. <laughs> Getting, now I know how he got A's. <laughs> you put money in the teacher's pocket. <laughs> I'm on to you. Hey, you know what? I didn't go to college and uh, I definitely didn't get an A in statistics like Tommy did. But I can tell you, statistically, the Clippers have a 0% chance of winning the NBA. Championship. <laughs> that is true, statistically speaking. Right. Yeah, no, but uh, in all seriousness, you know what I caught from, uh, from what Tommy was speaking about as far as his, uh, you know, his time in, in college? He said he worked hard. And uh, is it fair to say, Tommy, that hard work is a habit? Yeah, it's a habit that ha that can be built, right? And uh, and so when you hear people that, and I'm sure you have, who say, "Man, I'd love to be, you know, uh, a business owner. I'd love to be my own boss. I'd love to have something that I can call my own." But dot dot dot, right? Like, mm. there's not enough time, or but you know, like whatever, insert whatever excuse uh, may be, would you assume that they just don't have the habit of hard work or do you think it's a deeper mindset? Like they, don't want it, they don't want it bad enough because mm. when you want something bad enough, you'll figure it out. It's lazy and it's excusitis. I'm just being real. I used to not be that real, but going through it, I know how many times I would give myself excuses there's times where I don't want to work. There's times where I don't want to grind, but you want to know why I do it? Because I want it bad. I don't want money to dictate my life. I don't want my kids to say, you know, we want to go somewhere and do something, but money dictates that. Nah, if I can work for it and you show me how to do it, it's a, it's a wrap. So I remember praying for one of the businesses that I'm in now that's been a blessing for me over the past eight years. Is I remember praying. I was like, Lord, I'm pastoring, but I know that all my income is not supposed to come from here. So what can you show me? He said, I'll bless what you put your hand to, but what can I put my hands to? And um, that's why, uh, you know, the business that I'm in fell into my lap. 
And I said, it's been the best lap dance ever. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All the pastors out there getting lap dances, man. Tommy got the best one right now. <laughs> it's been a great business, man. That fell into my lap. And I just uh, worked it, bro. I just, I have a thing about hard work. My dad said this and it's true. He said, my ambition is my best friend, but it's also my worst enemy. So sometimes, Thomas, you have to know when to turn that off. Because what happens is it'll bleed into your family life. And mm. there is no success outside of having a great family life. Mm. Right? There's a lot of guys that are like, I'm working hard. I'm killing it. I'm doing this. But what about the marriage? What about the family? And I've made mm. mistakes on both ends and learned from it. You feel me? Yep. So it's like working hard in your business, I believe, has to be segmented. And it has to be compartmentalized. And you've also got to work hard, but you've also got to play hard. You know what I'm saying? You've also got to enjoy your life. Just as much work as you put into your business, I also believe that you got to put that work into yourself and to those that are around you. Because now I'm at the point in my life where I want to enjoy and I want to enjoy my loved ones. I want to enjoy life. I want to, you know, they say smell the roses mm -hmm. and enjoy what you have, but continue going to where you're going. So to answer your question, um, people don't want it bad enough. When you want it bad enough, you figure it out. You ask people the right questions. And you just flat out get after it. Mm. Um, when when the business that we're currently in right now that you're, you're excelling in um, presented itself the first time, did you know that that was it because you had asked, like you were looking for it, or were you unsure? Because I feel like a lot of people get presented opportunities and then they pass on them. It's a great question. I knew right away. Um, I knew I was planting my flag here. The reason is because of the timing that it came. Um, I was frustrated. And I always say frustration is the soil in which God breathes his champions. And if you're not frustrated, then you're complacent. You ain't mm -hmm. doing nothing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're comfortable. And so I wanted more. And so I remember doing that and my eyes finally opened because I was getting, I was actually I'm applying for a job for a company called the Mars Company because they did chocolate. I was like, I love chocolate. So I'm like, I can work in a chocolate factory <laughs> and make money. This is great, right? But they were capping my pay and they were capping my hours. And I had to drive from, you know, uh, where I live to another city, which is about two hours away every day. Snap. You feel me? One way? Yeah, one way. Which is basically feels like 80 hours one way because that traffic is it's nasty. Worse. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so I'm like, that's not quality of life. I don't have the control that I want. And wait a minute, you guys are capping how much I can pay. I don't like that. So I knew entrepreneurship was the way I wanted to go. I'm the type of guy that's just like, I'll figure it out. A lot of people are like, well, I want I want safety and security. You go get it. You go get it. Now, have something. This is what I don't. All right. So this is what I don't want people to misunderstand me on. I believe you need to have um, a, a consistent source of income coming in, <clears throat> whether it be a job or business that you've already started before you branch off and start something else. Sure. Because if not, you're in a panic business. Mm -hmm. So that's how I had it. I was blessed to have that. But I knew that I wanted more to where I knew my business would eventually take care of me um, and not need certain things. All right. So um, I knew that I was called to be here because of the timing. But I was like, man, this fits everything I want. I'm like, co coach me and send me on where I got to go. And then I started seeing the bigness of it. And then I was like, oh, this fits. Like, let's go. Like, I can go here. Let's go. And I've never doubted that I was supposed to be here in eight years. And um, it's really paying off great dividends, but I feel like there's so much more that I have to go and do. Man, that's fire, man. And one of the questions I was thinking about as you were talking was in this journey past through the past eight years, when did you learn to fall in love with the pain 
of growing. <laughs> like when did you learn to kind of fall? Like when I say fall in love with the pain of growing, it's like to be uncomfortable, to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions and know that I know I'm going to have to do this uncomfortable thing. I know, I know, I know it's going to be uncomfortable, yeah. but I know I got to do it to win. Cause I know one of the things that we, <laughs> one, one of the parts of our business is, you know, to get out when we're talking to new people. Yeah constantly yeah and that was something that's paper you know calling somebody that you know maybe if you're in a business that we have to call people yeah you know to reach out to folks or help somebody new yeah come along yeah so when was you know when did you kind of realize like shoot i gotta kind of fall in love with the, with this with this pain because yeah. it's gonna benefit me on the back end that's a good question um i think for me it was <clears throat> when i started seeing um that I had diff some difficulties in life. So, I mean, me, all right. So uh, it's funny, Camille and I talk about this. She's our director of communications with Business Street and stuff. And we talked about it, how I go through things like, I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I'll just be real about it, right? I was that guy. I was. They call me the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I grew up in Baldwin Hills. I grew up in View Park, which is a black Baldwin Hills. We grew up, that's just how it was. You feel me? Um, I was very privileged and uh, I grew up, um, didn't even realize it till a couple years ago when I was like a brat, you know what I'm saying? And spoiled, for real. <laughs> business, and I believe that the Lord helped me to go through certain things. I, I say I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up that way, but then I hit some really, really tough spots in life to where my kids and I, after a divorce, were in one of my apartments and we're going up and I, and you know how you're picking which bill you're gonna pay? Mm. And that bill wasn't paid. And I was hoping that I had three more days because I got a bunch of pink slips, right? And we get in there and it was the light bill. And I'm like, man, I hope the lights go on. And I remember turning, you know, getting ready to flick them and they don't go on. And my kids are like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, we're just going to play a game tonight. You know, we're going to, you know, throw some candles on and stuff. And I remember turning, I remember that feeling. And I'm like, I, I can't have this. I don't want this anymore. And um, it's going to be painful. But I also want to have some good going through this. And so I never forget those moments. I don't ever feel that you should forget where you've come from or the adversity that you've gone through. Because I know what rock bottom feels like. Um, a lot of people don't think I do. I do. Right. And depression and all that stuff where mm. you just feel like everything's on top of you and there's no way out. But God is there with you. But he ain't going to pick you up. You got to get yourself up. And so I realized that I've got to work and I've got to grind and I've got to control what I can control. So when I started realizing, I hit one of our biggest promotions. I became a broker in the in the financial industry, which is awesome. I wanted full autonomy and control, but that happened a year after I went through a divorce. Whoa. That was hard because you're dealing with so many different things and you're trying to compartmentalize and you're weaving things together. And so I remember that I had to take that energy that may have been difficult and I had to be able to sit over here and say, you know what, I've got to win over here at least because this is going to eventually work itself out. I'm going to work some things through. But while I'm going through that, let me create some good over here. So mm. if I can start winning in business, I can have some wins over here, even though this is uncomfortable. See, business really isn't that hard. It's life that's hard. Sure. You feel me? So it's being able to stay focused through the yeah. stuff. Why do professional ball players get paid so much? They get paid a lot of money because they get paid to deal. We don't, they're like, we don't, the owners are like, we don't care about your personal life as hard as it is all the baby mama Johnna that you may have caused or whatever is going on, we don't care. Just get out there and perform because we're paying mm -hmm. you millions of dollars. So they've got to learn how to get out there. Guess what? I'm a professional businessman. 
I've got to get out there and still perform in business. Mm -hmm. Even though before I walked in with this client, I was crying my eyes out. Even though before I trained and built up a team, I was crying my eyes out. I got to get it together because this is going to be uncomfortable. My parents taught me tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I had to make a choice to be a tough person. And that's honestly when something different started to happen inside of me. I got a little spice about me. I always grew up nice guy, wanting to please people. There was a spice and it was a hardness that started to grow on me. And I remember that. And then, you know, to one of the latest, you know, accomplishments I've had, um, that also came through difficult times too. And so I started realizing that life is going to happen. You got to grow. We were having a conversation about this too. You got to continue to grow and develop good things over here. And these things over here are going to work themselves out. You're going to grow and spend time with them. And eventually it's all going to come together, but it may not all be together at the same time. So I started realizing I fell in love with the work because I fell in love with what the work is going to give me. I may not want to hang this picture on this wall and get the drill and do all the annoying stuff. I certainly want a nice picture on the wall or I want this flat screen. You feel me? I want the flat screen. So I don't mind the work. TP, I want to go back to something you said. You said, hey, um, you know, we're going to be tested. God's going to these tests. And I think whether you're religious or not, people struggle with that adversity. If you are religious or, or, or you're not, um, and you place blame, a lot of people, let me re reword that. A lot of people find themselves unbelievers, right? Because, or having a hard time with faith and belief because they feel like God should be picking them up in those times. But you said he's going to put you down, but he's not going to pick you up. Can you elaborate on, and I think I know what your answer is going to be, but can you elaborate a little on why he doesn't pick you up? That's a good question. Um, so there's a verse in the Bible that says, God won't allow you to go through anything that you can't handle. So if you're going through it, you can handle it. But it's interesting because there's some things that we get ourselves into that he didn't ask us to get into. But because of his grace, like we were talking about before the show, he still comes through for us. I believe that there's times where there there's times in life where God is picking us up and he's babying us. <clears throat> but then there's times where he's like, you have to grow up because you're 50 years old and you're still trying to, you know, be in diapers. Come on now. You feel me? Like you're supposed to be a grown adult and you're still in kindergarten. And so I believe that God allows us to grow and develop and figure it out. But in the figuring it out, that's where we find him. He said, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. And in those moments, people have to be very careful that they don't start to get mad at God and blame God. Cause I've done all that. Yep. Right? I've done all that. Guilty. Exactly. But I find him in those moments though, Thomas. And I tell people, God's the God of the valleys, but he's also the God of the mountaintops. And so what happens is in those valleys, that's when I seek him. Because people may have tried drugs, alcohol, relationships, pornography, all these different things. And they're just like searching for whatever they need. And it's not until they come to that rock bottom state like Jonah did and you get swallowed up by a the whale. whale. Yeah. Right. And you know what's interesting about that? That's that situation was that Jonah took three days to pray. That's 72 hours. He must have been a stubborn, you know what, to sit up here and wait three days to pray. Man, if I'm in the belly of the whale, three seconds I'm praying, you know? <laughs> right. At least I say that now, but the mindset that he was in was like, God called him to go here, but he's going here. And it's not until we align our desires with God in a relationship with him that we start realizing that what God, and the best prayer that I pray is, God, you know what's best for me. Because if you leave it up to me, I'm going to mess it up. 
but what do I need to do? Show me, lead me, and guide me, and confirm it with me. That's what I pray. Because sometimes when I'm praying for, it shows up in a way or in a form that I didn't expect it to. And you've got to realize that that's what it is in the form of an opportunity, a relationship, or whatever it is. And you've got to be able to take care of that and make sure that it, you know you do what you got to do to get there. So um, to answer your question, um, I really realized that me trusting in God and the process, and he may not be picking me up like he used to, you know, but, you know, we have kids and it's just like the way I dealt with you when you were two is not the way I'm going to deal with you when you're 14. So God is just like, I'm not going to deal with you that way because I need you to grow. I need you to be a leader. And right now you're trying to be too much of a follower. So I need to grow and develop you to lead so that because God says that I have other people for you to lead. The Bible says the, the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, people are waiting for believers to grow up and stop being offended stop walking in unforgiveness and stop all this other stuff that turns people off from God. Grow up so he's not going to be there for you in certain times when you, you know when you don't he doesn't when you don't need him. Here's what I mean by that. He said I'll never leave you nor forsake you, which means that he's never left us. But some people are like I don't feel God. Well, whoever talks about feeling, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of what you don't see. And that word seen in the Greek means perceived in the senses. In other words, when you operate the way God wants you to operate, you don't operate by your feelings. You operate by faith, mm. right? So what happens is the, Satan and adversity tries to get you in your feeling. Doesn't life feel hard? Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you start believing that stuff, you're out of faith. The second he gets you into the sense realm, it's like a fish being taken out of water. You take a fish out of water, they're going to suffocate. But then eventually they're going to die. They don't die immediately. They're like, right? And what happens is when you take a believer out of faith, mm. they start suffocating yeah. by worrying, by stressing, mm. by having negative affirmations, by being depressed. Get your butt back in faith. Get back in the water. Otherwise, you're going to lay out here and die. So that's that's my thing is, God, if it ain't happening the way I thought it was, it's cool. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. I just need to continue doing what I need to do. So if they, in other words, they seek that blessing in that adversity, they're back in the faith, right? And then looking for those lessons and that growth or whatever needs to happen. Yeah. I love TP3. I know, <laughs> man. I love I know, this guy, man. man. I know, man. Y'all didn't y'all didn't know what y'all's y'all didn't know what y'all's in for. Y'all did not know what y'all's in for today. But now you do. But now you do, man. I, that like literally. <laughs> Well, I hope what so people are catching is whether whether they're whether they're believers or not is that a lot all of these principles you're talking about they they overlap. These biblical principles will they overlap in a business, Absolutely. right? Like your foundation was so incredible. That's why you're as successful as you've been at this point. But I don't think you've even scratched the surface, TP. From what from what I know of you, from what I've seen of you over the years, what does E40 really say? Know. He hasn't even he hasn't even touched the ill. The <laughs> not even the imp. That's yeah, it. Let alone how to tip. Yeah, man. No, um, dude, you're so blessed. You, you know, and this has been a blessing for me. Not that we're we're wrapping it up, but I just felt like I needed to say that. But that foundation that you had of your faith, um, it's obviously it's carried over to you becoming a better leader and uh, you know business minded stuff like that. So, thank you, man. I'm excited to see where 
man, where TP three is going. Man, I saw man. This as long as he doesn't move to Seattle when when the when the Clippers take off up there, because they're about to get booted out of LA. <laughs> Get him oh, the old stadium, man. What's going on, man? Get him the old stadium. Uh, shoot. How about, you know, let's just get rid of it, too. Um, your biggest win and your biggest learn in business, man. So I don't like to say loss or your biggest failure because, you know, it's either you win or you learn. So to this point, man, what's been your in, what's been your biggest win and your biggest biggest learn? It's a great question. Um, I agree with what you're saying, too. John Maxwell wrote a book with the forward by John Wooden called Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Put Lose and Crossed Out Lose and Put Learn. And since then, I've had that mindset. Um, you know, I think we talked about it and I had a conversation too. Um, I think it was Camille and I were talking. We were talking about basically how um, in life, sometimes you're going to have losses over here. And um, I was talking with my barber the other day and he was talking about um, how of Kobe. Right. Um, he, he, he used to, uh, Kobe used to be his client. He cut his hair. And he said, the thing about Kobe is Kobe, when, if he lost, it was like, he didn't understand what happened. Like losing is not as far as to be. I'm on the team. There's no way that we lose. And it was his mindset. And he said, Kobe started realizing that, you know, in basketball and in games, there's going to be losses. Isn't it interesting that when we play a game, we know that we can win or lose. If we take a loss, it's like, man, like I knew there was a possibility that I could lose, but I'm upset. But when we take a loss in life, we act like it's a foreign thing. Mm. And I think because we have such a winner's mentality, but we also got to learn that losses, as tough as this sounds, are inevitable. But the losses are learns. So it's like, okay, that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I think we put this unhealthy pressure on ourselves. I know I do. Mm -hmm. That it's like, we've got to be perfect, right? We've got to win at everything. And if we don't, we're losing. And as men specifically, that's a tough thing because we're like, we want to win as husbands. We want to win as fathers. We want to win as men in our community, you know, and we don't lose. But it's like, we actually do learn. And you don't learn unless you go, that's, it was you telling me about experience. You're like, Tommy, don't worry about it. Some areas in your life aren't up to par. Like you won in other areas, but these will come because you've learned experience. And through that experience, it's a great teacher. So it's like, cool. And I was talking to God the other day. He asked me, he's like, how do you know? Because I'm like, am I supposed to be where I am in life? You know? <laughs> Answer me. <laughs> <laughs> right? And he was like, how would you know if you were or you were not? Uh, right here. I was like, well, well, because you'd have this, because you'd have that. And I'm like, well... And he's like, well, how would you know? What if you're right exactly where I need you to be to learn the things that I need you to learn? And I was like, I got you. And so I started realizing that losses are inevitable, but they're learned. And I always say, my dad always repeats this when I say it, don't waste a fall. <laughs> you feel me? Mm. Like, And Ed said this too, that the difference with a champion and a non-champion is not that they get up after they fall on the mat but it's how much time they spend on the mat. Because as champions and winners, we've gotta have a bad hour and not a bad day. Because mm -hmm. a bad day leads to a bad week. A bad week leads to a bad month. A bad month leads to a bad year. And I've had them both. Mm -hmm. I prefer the good year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and not just the tire, right? life. <laughs> right. So to wrap that, that question up, um, I believe that you've gotta mm -hmm. learn from certain things, but I also, gotta, I also believe you gotta learn in the wins too. 
I also got to believe you got to forget your wins just like you got to forget your losses mm. because you got to forget your wins so that you're not getting too prideful mm, and plateau. you're not plateau and you're not feeling yourself. Nobel Peace Prize. There it is, bro. Right. You're <laughs> Back not, to the beginning. <laughs> you're not Nobel Peace Prizing. But you understand, you got to have those times where you say, okay, this is what happened. Logicalize it. Talk to your support group, which I think is huge. Mm. Okay. I'm learning that at this stage in my life, opening up to people and having a support group is perfect. Because for so long, it's easy, you know, to live life, you know, like I would, like with the mask or with, you know, in a Batman suit. One of my mentors mm. would always tell me, he's like, Tommy, take off the Batman mask sometimes. People just want to see that you're a real person. I'm like, no, I can't. I've got to keep this image up. And it's like, you can't. That's draining and exhausting it has to be, man. Mm. But support group, Tommy, man, that's weak. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I know you I'm are. Kidding. All right, you want me to, to defend it. Here's what I mean by that support group. Um, if you watch the Discovery Channel, um, which I don't watch much, I've just seen it a few times, and um, you've got the little antelopes or whatever that the lions always attack, right? Mm. But you notice they never attack the whole herd at one time. They wait for one antelope or gazelle to pull away from the pack, start drinking water, and start complaining and being depressed about life. <laughs> <laughs> and right when it's drinking and complaining, <laughs> And so that's what life does and what the mm. enemy does. The Bible says this, the, the, uh, Satan, I think it's in 1 Peter 5, 6, to 8, Satan seeks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why would you seek who you can devour if you couldn't devour everybody? Obviously, mm. there's a certain group of people that you can devour, and it's the ones that take a break in a sense of they are isolating themselves. Mm. We just went through a really tough thing in 2020 with yep. COVID. Yeah, yep. pandemic. Yo. America, the whole world got the number one punishment that prisoners get. Isolation. So when you isolate, it's not good. But when you open up to support groups, and here's how I define a support group, people that have your best interest, right? Like everybody in this room has my best interest. Love, you can share things with, you can be uncovered, but those people are going to cover you. A support group is not somebody that's going to air your stuff out, that's going to put you down. I always said this in business. I learned this in school. There's um, there's three things, all right? This is for free, right? <laughs> so this one I learned. There's three fears that you have before you start a business. The fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, and the fear of what people think about them. Mm -hmm. That third one is the biggest one. Yep. We're so concerned about what people think about us. And then I realized <clears throat> that there's three people that exist when you tell them your dream. And this is why we're talking about a support group. Because when there's three people that you tell that you have a dream, the first person says, you know what? That's dumb. You know, you're never going to get that. You guys know that there's people that have existed in our lives that have done that. I've, I've actually done that to other people. Dude. Before, <laughs> be, Seriously, dude, before I ever mm. started on really? my own journey. Yeah. What was your mentality when you were doing that? I think I was just regurgitating my mom, honestly. And I love her. She's an incredible woman. But my dad's always wanted to be his own boss. He's had these big visions of inventing things of opening restaurants of all this stuff and my mom out of fear was like no you can't do that right like we can't afford for it not to work and so i always heard that and my mom was you know probably the smartest person in my opinion that i had a relationship with 
until I got into business. And so when I'd have friends that would pitch ideas, I'd be like, I don't know if that's going to work, man. What do you know about? I did everything that like we hear people will, will do, right? Like crap on their dreams. What do you know about it? Like what, what makes you think you're successful? You know, the, so the failure rate is, dude, I was bad. I'm terrible, man. If I ever said any of that stuff to you guys, I apologize. <laughs> he loves you guys. I love you. But I realized that you learn. Hey, hey the you second learn, person man. you tell that dream to, they say, okay, I want to help you. I want to help you, Alex. Right? The third person you tell that dream to, they say, not only do I want to help you, but I want to invest financially. I want to invest my time or I want to encourage you. The first person that tells you your stuff sucks, get them as far away from you as you can. Get them out of your Facebook, get them out of your top five, get them out of your circle. That's like putting antifreeze in any of these waters. Mm. You put a drop of it in a big cup. No one wants to drink it because it poisons it. And people's circles are being poisoned. That second and third person, right? <laughs> the second person that tells you they're going to help you, they, that they believe in you, keep that person in your group. The third person that's going to help you you need to be talking to them at least once a week. Those last two people, that's your support group. Mm, mm, mm. Get a support yeah, group. I take it back. It's not weak. It's, <laughs> it's smart. It's intelligent. You smart. You smart. You man. smart. Man. You went you to college. Smart. He went to college. <laughs> nah. There's a lot of dummies that came out of college. Uh, I think the TP is not one of them. Thank you. Man, bro. Like, I appreciate cool. Dude, this was for me. Needed all of this today, man. Yes, Needed sir. all of this. So, man, real quick, before we get ready to close up, I want to get you um, tell everybody what you're, you're on social platforms, what you are, um, you know, on, on everything with Instagram. Let everybody know where you at. Um, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you. Hold on, let me get your camera real quick, man. You can let them know, man. Right there. Listen, um, I want to say this is one of the. You're on this right. Oh, this. Boom. This has been one of the best, well-ran shows that I've been on, <laughs> and I've been on a lot. This guy, Alex Rose, is a genius, okay? <laughs> and so I could not wait to talk into one of these mics, by the way. <laughs> I can't wait to hear how it sounds because I'd always hear him on these mics and it just sounds great. But um, this is a well-ran studio, number one, and it's great to be here. Um, number two, um, here's where you can find me. My Instagram is at thepastorpreneur, P-A-S-T-O-R-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. The Pastorpreneur. Um, catch us on Business Street on Instagram, B-U-S-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y, my boy Cammy and I, and then our director of communications, Camille, is on there. And so we want you guys to follow us. I'm on Facebook, Tommy Pickens, T-O-M-N-Y-P-I-C-K-E-N-S, and uh, a lot of good stuff coming up pretty soon this summer, too. TP, we're about to get that microphone dipped in 24 karat and uh, and uh, put into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. We're about to put into the No Pressure, No Diamonds Hall of Fame. Dude, I got one more question if you're willing to ask. Absolutely. Hey, listen, you mentioned all of these social platforms, and I'm sure you've seen it just like most people have. It seems like there's a shift and a pivot into entrepreneurship now more than ever at least in my lifetime where everybody has a side hustle their entrepreneur their business owner their, their distributor e-commerce you name it right and i love it but where do you see like what is the impact in your opinion if any with people deciding that they want that control that they're going after entrepreneurship versus employee like where, where do you see that in the next five years, 10 years, and what is the impact, whether positive or negative, uh, on the world? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's a stat or a survey that came out um, from Forbes, and they showed that 90% of the people that were going back to work, which is a staggering uh, stat um, after the COVID situation, wanted to be self-employed and have control mm. because they didn't like how an employer dictated their lives, maybe furloughed them or fired them. So I see, honestly, <clears throat> the world going towards entrepreneurship because people want control. Mm-hmm. But them making that 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 hop to where am I going to plant my flag and getting over the fact of how are things going to work out. You know what I love about entrepreneurship? And um, it goes hand in hand with, um, with faith. I realized that a couple of years ago, and I'll tell you why. Um, I was in Joel Osteen's church a few years ago. We were pitching our clothing line that we have. Um, called Young Unshin Clothing, and we're looking to get into his bookstore. And I remember that there was a CD there by his dad named John Osteen, who was a teacher. He's a preacher as well. And it was called How to Hand Your Business Over to the Lord. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I thought God is here and business is here. I didn't understand it. And eventually the Holy Spirit told me, listen to it two years later. And I did because I was in a place to listen, to hear it. And um, he gave a story. He talked about the, this passage in, in the Bible where Jesus went to the fishermen. And he said, hey, um, drop your nets into this, to, the, uh, to the sea. And they're like, we've been doing it all day. We've been fishing. We caught nothing. He said, drop your nets into the deep. So they were like, all right, whatever. But they're thinking, like, you just do the whole saving the world thing. We'll do the fishing thing. Let it be. So they do it. You know, the story, they pull the nets up, and the nets are busting. It's tons of fish, right? And what God told me, he said, Tommy, I know more about your business than you do. <laughs> so hand your business over to me. Mm. I know that, you know, you've got to get... Um, uh, clientele. I know that you got to build. I know that you got you know a certain amount of money that you want to make per month. I understand that, but just trust me, and I'll let it happen. And bring me into your business. So what I do is um, I make sure I have my Bible on my desk in one of my offices. I make sure that when I get in, I always get on one knee. You know, and there's some days that I've missed, and I'm just like, Lord, this is where you place me. This is where I need to be. Um, I pray that you bless it and everybody that I sit with. I pray that you bring me the right clients and you bring me the right business partners. If they're not the right ones, let me know. And since then, it's been an ease. So I gave my business to the Lord and I just walked by faith. And it's amazing that God has never let me down two and a half years since I prayed that prayer and since I handed it over to him. So to further answer your question, I believe that when people learn to step out on faith and bet on themselves, 50% 50% 50% 50 cent said it best, right? 50 said, I'll bet on myself all day. Why? Because I know that I'm a guaranteed bet. When people learn how to bet on themselves mm-hmm. and get after it, I believe we're going to start seeing, we already have, because a lot of the millennials and our generation and stuff like that, we want control. Hey, if I can travel somewhere, pop open my laptop and work, it's a wrap. I'm going wherever I want, right? I'm going to do what I want. And running a business means that I just got to put in a little work. I can work late at night. I can have creative hours. I can work up early in the morning. Creative hours. Creative hours, right? With the bandwidth. I can be at the pool. I can go spend time with my family. I can control my schedule. But if you're working now, but you want the control, I see a lot of people doing it, but I see a lot of people not. I see a lot of people not wanting to make that that jump. I believe the ones that do are going to be the ones that can bet on themselves. They can walk by faith. They can believe and see the results happen, and they're being led properly. That's one of the things that I love about our business is the leadership. Yep. When you don't have leadership, everything rises and falls on leadership. 
you know? Yeah, they, I mean, I love our company. They put us in front, put me in front of John Maxwell, I think it was a few weeks ago, and we had like a one on one and a, a lot of us with him. And it was just like, what? Like, this is crazy. And for him to teach us and develop us, and then we have his books. One of his latest books is a really good one talking about you can change, you know, change your world. Um, but anything that's Maxwell, I read. Um, last thing I'll say is leadership and hard work and working smart, but work on yourself. Um, and work on your business. Don't always work in your business, but work on yourself and work in your business. And I believe that when people have a good system, they built their system. This is what God told me. He told me this in Vegas in Louis Vuitton store. It's hilarious. <laughs> right? It's belt, huh? Right? You got that belt out <laughs> It's so funny. Right? So he told me, he said, build yourself as a leader and then the people in the team will come because you can lead them. Build your system, right? Get your infrastructure good. And then um, build the people. And those three things, when people do those things, Thomas, I believe they're going to have a successful business. It's going to be hard. You know what bothers me? People are like, oh, my God, there's going to be a price to pay. Well, there's a price to pay for everything. Don't you think if there, if, if, if it weren't hard, everybody would be successful in different areas? But they're mm -hmm. not because it takes work. So I believe people are actually going to want to work a lot harder because they see what it's like to not have that control. Mm. I see <laughs> younger people developing businesses at a younger age, like my son's age, who's 14, and my daughter. Um, and this is definitely the way to go. But here's the thing. I'll stop with this, right? There's always going to be employees, and there's always going to be entrepreneurs and business owners. And when people decide where they want to be, it's fine. Just decide where you want to be. By the way, your income is not your identity. That's what bothers me is people are like, oh, because I make this income, that's my identity. No. Your income just always catches up to your identity. Mm -hmm. So you can work a great job, but you can still learn how to make money elsewhere, right? Or you can be a business owner and have that control, an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter. Just learn where you want to be and just be there. Because a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs like ourselves, we need employees to help us do stuff. I call them team players, right? It's good to have a team with folks that do stuff. Sure. So there's entrepreneurs and then there's employees. Just decide where you want to be. But I believe the entrepreneurship and business ownership route is the most fulfilling. Mm. Mm. Don't drop, the, drop mic. the mic. Like, don't literally <laughs> do it. You know what I'm saying? But he just did that. <laughs> he just did that. Man. I've been waiting to hold this thing. Like, do I sound no, like you haven't. This <laughs> makes the voice a little deeper here. Uh, so, so let me hold it. Man, dude, this has been this has been amazing, man. Awesome. This has been amazing. This was for the record books, man. This is for the record. Listen, when you sure. asked me to do this, it was like whatever's on the schedule doesn't matter because I watched you guys show and you guys do really well. I remember the one you guys had with that that lady, and I think it hit like nine hundred views or three thousand or something like that. Yeah, I got a lot. I think it was on at least on Facebook is up to over ten thousand. Ten thousand, <laughs> and crazy. I wasn't surprised, but I watched you guys show from time to time. You guys are good, wholesome people. You guys obviously are good friends of mine, but. You guys are like, you're consistent and you have a good show. It's great quality. And I love the name, No Pressure, No Diamonds. I firmly believe in that, that as you stay in the pressure cooker, your ribs are going to be cooked. And nobody wants half-cooked ribs. Yeah. <laughs> Get them tender. Man, this is cool, man. This is amazing. Appreciate you again. Tommy, man, this has been a, this has been a you know amazing day. Amazing, amazing uh Amazing session today, and look forward to doing some more down the road, man. And uh, man, absolutely, shoot. 
this is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be fire. This is gonna be fire, man. Thomas, you got anything you want to close out with? No, I'm I'm I mean I'm grateful. I'm grateful for our friendship, our relationship. I'm grateful for the conversation. Um, I I always am, and uh, you know I look forward to to growing in business with you, man. And I appreciate your example as as a father, as a business leader, as a man of faith, and um, yeah, I, I mean I thank God for you, man, and I, I know that He'll continue to bless you. And uh, I'm excited to be able to watch and hopefully take part. That means a lot. Yes, sir. I'll never forget uh, Newberry Park at Sean and Jamie's, you and me at the pool. Man, that's when you changed. And I love it. And I commend you for it. We've been super closer ever since then, too. So, yes, sir. Thank you. Man, oh, man. Well, well, y'all was it for it today. I told y'all to get ready. I told (laughs) y'all to be ready for it, man. Make sure you share this. Please so much value. Please share, like, you know, comment, subscribe, man. Let us know who you would like us to talk to. If you have anybody that you would like us to talk to an interview as well, man, we're we're so blessed and thank and thankful to have this platform to be able to, you know, to be to be able to do this. Um so please go like, subscribe, share. We're on all major platforms. Follow the pastorpreneur. Follow pastorpreneur, follow (laughs) business street, go and check them out. Please do it. But man, without further ado, no pressure, no No diamonds. diamonds. Let's get it.